0: Audience, here are listeners to Florida International University's Radcliffe Art and Design Incubator podcast now in season five. Season five, I can't believe we're there. Tech Conversations. And today, our guest is a very friendly face here to South Florida. I personally get up with her and with Chris Anderson. So I guess she needs no introduction now that I've said that. Want to welcome in Constance Jones. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Aggie, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you today.
0: (laughs) Thank you. So let me introduce you because, you know, you're such a friendly face to South Florida. It's not only um, on that morning show, um, the NBC News today at 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. You also previously worked um, here in the South Florida market at WPLG, also for WLRN, National Public Radio, You've worked also anchoring in Richmond, uh, Richmond, Virginia prior to that, but you have also worked in New York, Oklahoma City, Atlanta, very different markets. We also wanna mention um, that Constance Jones is a two-time Emmy nominated journalist. um, And she has also been honored by the Society of Professional Journalists and by the Florida Association of Broadcast Journalists for breaking news coverage of the 2021 Surfside um, condo collapse. I know that that's all still clear in our minds of when we heard yeah. the news. So welcome in Constance, I'm sure you've seen so many breaking news um, throughout the years, but I'll let you describe yourself to kick off the podcast in one word.
1: <laughs> um, I think persistent is probably the best word to describe me from, um, especially with my career, um, when, I, when I started as a, as a kiddo in high school to where I am today.
0: So let's, you know, we always talk a little bit about the guests, where they got started. And if, you know, for yours, for in your, you know, line of work, is being a journalist something that you always wanted to do?
1: Have you? Okay. So I'm going to be aging myself a little bit. Have you ever heard of the show Murphy Brown? (laughs) Yes, of course. So that was a while ago when I talked to young journalists (laughs) today, they're like, who is that? She was a fictional news anchor, and I remember her being one of the first, like, strong female characters on television, you know, maybe at that time, maybe a modern-day Mary Tyler Moore, right? Mm-hmm. And I found her role interesting. I might have been maybe seven or, I mean, I was a kid. Um, and then from there, my interest grew, and I, I fell in love with the CBS weekend morning show, which I still love to this day. I think they had some of the best storytelling Uh, visually that you can find uh, on the cable networks. Of course, I love public TV, but to invest the time and effort to to put together really unique and interesting stories, I've loved that for for decades. So I think that's where my my love came in a little bit on the TV fictional side and also just, you know, finding um, a platform through that. So long form journalism, you know, 2020 with Barbara Walters, 48 Hours, like all of these things were really interesting me. I was interested in, I would say as a teenager, I would love watching. um, I think TGIF was like must watch TV back in the day. And after Mm -hmm. TGIF on a Friday night, 2020 was always on. And if I was lucky, my parents would let me stay up to watch. It depends on what the content was. This was years ago. So yeah, that 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 sparked my interest. As a young kid, I always wanted to be a journalist of some sort, a storyteller. And so that's how, you know, things evolved. I was working for the local newspaper in my small town of Colleen, Texas, when I was in high school um, and, and TV production and all of that stuff. And I eventually landed at the Dan Rather School of Communications uh, outside of Houston, Texas. And that's what really, you know, really kickstarted my career through that, that program.
0: Yeah, I want to mention that even though you're very, you know, fr- such a friendly face to South Florida, you were actually born in Germany, right? Is that correct?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm half German, my mother's German. And so my father was in the military and some 50 years ago, he was stationed near a village where my mother was at. And they met at a club. And the rest is obviously history. So my sisters and I were born uh, overseas. And so we still have our family you know, over there. We go back as often as we can to visit. Uh, so yeah, and, I'm, um, and I think that helps me too with the stories that I tell here in South Florida because what makes this market in Miami so different than other markets is that we have a really strong international connection. So most people who live in South Florida have lived elsewhere or have family outside of the United States. So that's very different than, you know, working in Atlanta or in Texas, where a lot of people have just kind of traveled domestically. Maybe they've gone on vacation, but they don't have a sense of what life might be like outside of the U.S. So that's something that I think has always drawn me to South Florida because of the international awareness that I think you only really get in this market.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I know that you were recognized for covering, um, you know, the Surfside collapse of that condo. I think it's still fresh in our minds. Yeah. Can you talk about what other story has really impacted you? I mean, besides <laughs> the multiple hurricanes that we have down here, luckily we, we've tried to avoid them over the last couple of years. I think we've been so lucky. But what other story, um, Constance, have you covered that you know, has really affected you? I know there's a lot going on, you know, in the different markets you've covered.
1: Wow, there's so many stories. I think one thing, um, a series of stories that I had the privilege of doing when I worked at ABC. I was at ABC here in Miami for about nine years. And um, there, there was a real call um, from the community for us to tell other types of stories in the community, right? Like in, in South Florida, it's a breaking news market. We have you know political corruption like every other day. We have you know crime investigations. We have all of this stuff that when you put it together, the patchwork, the painting that we're drawing as as journalists may not be the most cheerful, right? So we have to make a concerted effort to tell the other types of stories in our community. What else makes our community? And for me, I think our faith-based community is equally as important, um, especially for people who've traveled from other countries. So I, I had a faith and family segment for several years and I was able to explore what faith and what I mean, faith, I don't mean, okay, we go to church or we go to temple. It, it, it's what people believe in to keep them going. It's the family structure. It's, it's, it's that thing that keeps you going day by day uh, and things that may seem slightly foreign, right? Like maybe Santeria or voodoo practices and little Haiti. And so I feel like ex- experiencing that and telling that in a news way, I feel like with such a privilege, um, and something you know unique that you only can find here in South Florida because people, I think because they're, many people are not from the US, they have a different perspective on religion and faith. And that bleeds into our day-to-day existence with our families, with how we go to work, with how we interact with people. And so I would say covering our, our diverse faith-based community in South Florida has always been something that I've, um, for me, I've, I've really valued. Um, because we we are more than just the crime of the day. We are more than just, you know, the, the headlines of the day of the, <laughs> the negative stuff, right? So I think that looking into the other things that
0: make our community strong and so unique is important. Amazing, so I want to shift gears here because, you know, we talk about technology and I know that ChatGPT has really made headlines lately. And, you know, as a former producer and working with different people, you know, The producers usually get the rundowns ready, but the anchors always come in and want to really put their stamp on it. At least that's the way that I worked across many newsrooms. And, you know, ChatGPT, I've used it a couple of times. And to be honest with you, it embellishes things, sometimes Mm -hmm. adds in things that aren't even part of what you're trying to get. So, you know, how is this being kind of used or maneuvered or implemented in newsrooms? Are, Are you guys using it? Let's talk a little bit about that and talk about fact checking, because that will be a a huge thing come the election. And I know that um, this is probably the first election where, you know, these tools of ChatGPT and AI are being put to you. So talk a little bit about that.
1: So I'm going to talk about them separately because I do think so. I work at NBC and NBC, we have aggressive standards in place before we report anything. And, and when it's a debate night or when it's, you know, we have lawyers. And whenever we're covering anything, we we double, triple check. We we are nothing without uh, the truth and validity of our statements, which has been proven. Like our 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 public demands it. And that is the the basic level of a, a journalist, you should make sure your facts are correct. So at NBC News, um, and I'm at an NBC ONO, I'm not at an affiliated station. We have um, a system of um, workshops and classes that all the journalists are required to take uh, and how we get our sources, how we, you know, if we pull a video off the internet, even if it's um, let's say storm coverage, like we're covering a, a hurricane and then it's a viewer sends us a video of flooding in downtown Miami. We can't use it unless we can verify without a doubt that that is the video uh, of the current flooding of this current event that's happening. So there are quite a few systems in place to make sure visually, images, quotes, that everything is accurate. We have to double check everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even more so, there, there's just a higher demand with politics today, and with the um, bad information that's out there. So I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of a news organization. Um, sometimes we're a little slower to get the news mm-hmm. out, but I'd rather get the news out correctly than incorrectly. Um, you know, I worked um, underneath Dan Rather, and if anyone remembers kind of his fall from grace, um, you know, he ran with some facts from a few producers that didn't double check it. So for me, I, I understand the value of, of making sure information is correct, especially when you're weighing into uh, a political cycle. So I can just speak for that. I do know I've worked in other newsrooms uh, and different companies have different systems in place to double check, and it is quite varied. I was at Nextar Communications. They own over 150 TV stations. That was in Virginia. I worked at Fox uh, Affiliate in Atlanta. That's another totally different system in place. We had in-house counsel attorneys, um, but they may have their own opinions on how we cover things, right? Um, So it is different each news organization you work for, but I will say NBC, at least at the local level here, Uh, We have been, we don't always, I will say, you know, sometimes we're humans, right? So we can't ignore the fact that we're going to have slight biases when we're, you know, looking at a candidate or reviewing what they're saying or trying to verify what they're saying is true. Um, But I will say there are systems, there are clear systems in place, at least at my organization. As far as chat GTP, um, I embrace it and I encourage our producers to embrace it in the sense of, this, this is an assistant. Mm-hmm. This is a tool, but we still must double, triple check. It would be very ignorant of me to think that. And, and I'm older. I've been in the business for over 20 years. So a lot <laughs> of my colleagues who are in my age bracket or older, they are, you know, staying clear of, of AI and chat GTP. Like they don't want to utilize it. They feel like it's a way of cheating the system. But I know that the new, new folks who are coming in, they're using this stuff like all the time. So yes. if they're using it, let's make sure we're using it responsibly and, and in a way that's going to be beneficial for us to do our stories each day, right? And we still have to double check our sources. Um, when you use chat GTP, it's not like an essay that lists out the source, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not accurate, right? It can help you maybe think of ways to say things, right? It can maybe help you yes. think of a, new. it's like a, like a thesaurus, a thesaurus right? Or using Google to find what's another word for this or how else can I say that? Or what's a, you know, I, I think it's okay to have an additional assistant, but as far as the news value of it, I think like at, at the end of the day sources are sources and chat GTP is not a source, um, but you can utilize it. And I, again, I encourage our young writers. Hey, if you're getting, you know, it's 2 AM, you're trying to write these scripts. You're trying to think of a clever way to write something. Chat GTP might help you think of words you know, you don't copy it word for word because that's plagiarism. Okay. And this is a professional news organization. And I can plug that right in. And they understand that these are all trained journalists. Um, But I don't want to scare them off from using a resource that may help them with their creativity. I think it's just another tool in their toolbox.
0: No, I mean, completely agreed. You know, I'm also an adjunct faculty at FIU. I've been teaching the production course for many years. And I tell them the same thing. I said, you know, this is something that you use to just go in there and try to make, you know, a little better a sentence that you might think is very bland and you want to give it some pizzazz. But, you know, you don't fact check there. Like, I remember that I think somebody was doing a story on Tesla and I myself went in on ChatGPT to see what what it said. And it clearly told me at the top, you know, as of whatever date, this is the information I have. So I think ChatGPT is trying to tell you this is what I have as of the last date that this was updated. It's telling you that you need to go and check. So it's not like ChatGPT is like the source like you said. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> And you're right, and there's information that's been wrong for sure. Like I've definitely exactly. checked things that were absolutely incorrect. Um, but I do think it's, you know, I think when you're creating a product, I believe in synergy. I believe in like, and in our newsroom, it's taught, we talk to each other. We're like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? You know, especially if we're working on something Um, and and I think it can be an extra tool. Uh, And I've introduced it to like my co-anchor, Chris Anderson. He was like, Oh my gosh, you use it. I said, well, you're twin boys. I'm sure they're using it every day. So let's talk about how we can, let's talk about how we can use this to help us write this and that. And, um, it just helps you think maybe a little bit faster, I think, um, you know, yeah, so, for sure. mean, you can't be afraid of it.
0: No, I, I completely agree. Um, I guess that the you know, the other thing I wanted to ask, you know, in this podcast, we always talk about being very aspirational, specifically when we interview journalists and media uh, executives and personalities like yourself. You know, people listen to this podcast a lot, um, believe it or not. It's a university podcast, but it's been one of the most successful ones at FIU. When I first Ooh. started this, I didn't think it would last. Yeah, it would last five seasons, and it did. And I didn't even start off co-hosting. Well, um, congratulations. So- oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I got kind of drawn into it because, the you know, our director at, at the Radcliffe Incubator got a little busy being appointed to the, one of the mayor's committees, uh, Levine Cava's committees. Um, I think about a year or two ago, and he said, oh, God, you know, who's going to do this? And I said, well, I haven't done this in a bit, but I'll be happy to start interviewing people again. (laughs) So that's really how it came to be. But, you know, we always ask Constance, and I'm sure with your track record, we want to hear something aspirational for those people, those students, even those listeners that want to start maybe their own podcast, or they're studying media. You know, what is the biggest takeaway that you have from this long, successful career across these markets? I guess that's, that's a fair question to ask someone with your, your success. <laughs> well, I will say I've had success,
1: but I would also say I've had as many failures. The failures are not posted on Instagram. They're not put on my resume. Uh, and you can Google me and, and find my failures. I think anyone who's worked in an industry for over 10 years could could truthfully tell you that they've encountered you know mistakes or encountered situations that have caused them to look back and think, man, well, this this is a bad decision. I made a bad decision. And in my career, uh, i've I've made some missteps, I think, right? that I've had to recorrect. And I think for some people see me and, and it's funny, I was speaking to some students today, uh, and they think that, okay, there's the perfect image, and it's the image we present on Instagram, on what whatever, like we we always, have a tendency to present all the good without presenting you know, the cracks. And I think through the cracks and the missteps, we can find a better way to relate. So I, I like to talk about that. I left South Florida, I was at channel 10 and I bounced from market to market to try to figure out where I would fit in. And it is hard, um, this kind of industry, it, it's not just easy, you're not, you don't necessarily fit into every TV market. Uh, I'm not from Miami, but I fit in very well. And maybe it's because of my military background, maybe because of my international background. Like there's things that's hard to to put your finger on why success comes for some people and not for others. But I think, you know, when I I think about my career and the ups and the many downs that I also experienced, um, that even though you can go all the way down, it'll eventually come back up. Um, And uh, I think... You have to remember that, that there's always someone, no matter how picture perfect someone's life may look, um, oftentimes it came with a little bit of struggle. And so that was the case for me. I mean, and, I, and I, I've shared this story before, I was at Local 10 News and uh, my manager at the time just did not see me as a, a full-time anchor, um, but other news stations across the country did. So I had to leave Miami um, to, to find my way and to mature as a journalist and an on-air news anchor. Because at the at that time, you know, I I couldn't find my success in a place that I thought, you know, this is where I wanted to be. And sometimes you have to leave to mature and grow and get better in your in your field. And it, I was grateful. Nearly, you know, eight years later, I come back and you know the station I left were beating them in the ratings month by month, which is, it's like ha ha, you know, the boss who didn't believe in me, right? <laughs> Um, but it took a lot to it come happens. back around, though, you know, it, I mean, it wasn't easy, like it wasn't like an easy trip. And I think in mm-hmm. life, it's the easy road. There are no easy roads. Sometimes you have to take the hard road and the, the road of rejection um, to, to build because you you're, you 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 grow day by day. So I encourage people to keep growing, keep assessing yourself. I keep a journal I journal twice a day. I have mentors. I have people who critique my work. I have people constantly looking and say, maybe you should change your look, maybe the way you're presenting. I mean, I'm constantly trying to get better because I love what I do, right? So, and and I'm not the only, I should judge myself, but I I wanna make sure that I keep my skills as sharp as possible. My co-anchor Chris Anderson, he's a perfectionist and he reviews his work on a regular basis. So it's not, some people are like, oh, you guys just are so, you know, you're pros, you're naturals, and Yeah, you know, it's like, it, yes, we are, but we also work at that. It doesn't just like, surprise, I just go and read the prompter today, um, and I think for anyone who's had any level of success, um, it's taken a, a lot more work than you might be able to see, uh, and so that's really, I, I encourage students to not give up and sometimes take the, the path. Uh, That may be a little harder, but will be better for you in the long run.
0: I mean, that's excellent advice. You know, having been a producer both in English and Spanish, I worked many years at Univision launching a public affairs show and actually worked with an anchor that was at Channel 51, your sister station. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And
0: he's a pro. He's been at it forever. And, I, you know, I was one of his producers for many years. And he would always ask me, what can I do better? What can I do better? You know, how can I connect more with the audience? You know, what should we be doing more of? And I think that when you ask for that kind of feedback, you are very professional because you understand and I'm so happy to hear this, that you guys are always trying to grow and evolve and ask for feedback. Because remember the the environment that we're in right now, there's no more appointment television, it's instant gratification. So you have to give viewers like myself a, a reason to really tune in and say, I'm going to turn on that TV and watch Constance Jones and <laughs> Chris Anderson in the morning or, yeah. you know, watch any of the team of anchors that you guys have, you know, at the different times of the day. So I think it's very important.
1: Yeah, I, I think, yeah, the competition's even more fierce than it was yes. five years ago. And it and is it, because it's social media. It's because people after COVID, they're used to instant gratification. If they want their news, they want it now. They're not going to wait for for the 5 p.m. newscast. It's a completely different world. So you're right. We have to be better if we want to keep telling stories. And there's there's space for it. We just have to be more attuned to um, what our viewers need. And so and that's that's essential. That's why I became a journalist. What what is it? What information can I give you that's going to help you and your family today? And that's how I try to start my day each day when we're selecting stories, when we're trying to whittle the story down to make sense. Of course, you know, there's things that are important to share that you may not want to hear, you know, but we do have to share that, you know, unfortunately this toddler was injured at this daycare. Why do we share that? Because it's important. So you keep, you're aware of when you take your kid to a daycare, you know, are they following the procedure? You know, like making sure that the, the viewer benefit is there.
0: Amazing, Constance. Do you have anything else you want to say before we close out the podcast? Um, <laughs> you can say anything, anything. I, anything. <laughs>
1: I think um, it's because someone told me this. I mean, I, I was, I'm a first-generation college kid, and I I tell everybody, and I went to a, a relatively small school. It wasn't like the, the UM. I, I went to school in Texas. Um, but dream as big as you want to dream. Dream big, okay? And you're never too young or old to, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it. No matter what your parents might've said, your, your family members, friends. Um, I, I had a, um, I was like in the, the slow reading group. I don't know how, how else to really classify it. When we moved here back from Germany, I was in a group that maybe was for the slower learners. And I remember, um, maybe not feeling so smart or so bright. And then someone, I don't know who told me, I, I remember there was like a guest speaker in middle school, that you can do whatever you want to do. And I was like, well, maybe I can be on TV too. Like, I remember thinking as a kid, well, maybe I could do this. And it happened. I imagine any of the teachers that I had in those 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 kind of slower group, they, they would be shocked to see where I am today. Um, and, and so that's why I tell people like, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it. You can, you know, the path may be a little harder than maybe some other people, but let's not focus on that. You can do it. Let's see how you can do it. Take the steps that you need to take um and especially living in this great country there's there's a lot of opportunity if you just if you if you try hard
0: i mean that's amazing advice and i like that you also shared with us that you know sometimes we're told things like you shared that story about your boss i think we've all been and fallen victim to it by supervisors where you're told that you can't do something or that you're not good at something and you know it destroys people this you know depending on your your personality and your character and your state of mind and you know sometimes you have to I, I always say you have to take whatever is told to you and deal with your emotions at the time for as long as you need to. But then you need to pick yourself up and reprogram and, and move forward.
1: Yeah. And I'm grateful to that boss because if he didn't tell me that, I wouldn't be who I am today. So and he's still, he's, he, you know, I'm, and, and I'm grateful for the, the challenges that I've had because I wouldn't be who I am today without those. I mean, that it wouldn't, I wouldn't have become who I was. And I wouldn't have left Miami and become a better journalist if he didn't tell me, oh, we don't really want you to do that, right? So I think that's, you know,
0: <laughs> I think again, we've all fallen victim to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've all fallen victim to it. The more people I talk to in the media business, the more I hear about feedback and things like that. But then I hear about all these other great stories that come out of these, these feedbacks that at the time, you're not feeling it. But then, you know, you win an award, or you're recognized, or you get promoted, or you're able to move on to like another market like you did. And, you know, like you said, it's not all about success. We all have our lights and our shadows. That's the way I kind of always say it. And, you know, life is a cycle. It's an ongoing cycle, and and one that we just have to be privileged to to be a part of. Exactly.
1: That's, that's, a, that's a great way to to package it all up. Yes, for
0: sure. (laughs) Thank you, Constance Jones. Again, you can catch um, Constance at NBC6 News today at five and six, of course, along Chris Anderson and the rest of the, the anchor and reporter teams that there are at NBC6. Thank you, Constance.
1: Thank you so much, Maggie. Thank you guys so much for having me on.
0: Thank you. Have a great day.